Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life. Today we'll be talking with Susan Smith about a really touchy topic, biblical submission. When Susan was a young wife, she didn't give the idea of biblical submission much weight. I wasn't sure what it meant. Does it mean you, you know, submit in every way or what does submission mean? I really thought it was something that you say on your wedding day, but then you live your life another way. She and Sean seemed to be doing just fine, though. They were pursuing their goals and ambitions, and things seemed to be going well. But then, Sean's sin was exposed, which is a whole story in itself. Soon, they both started to get really serious with the Lord, and Susan began asking what it means to be a godly wife. I think, like, we hear that our husband's our first ministry, but when we look in the Word and we see what it says how he really ordered the family, that slapped me between the eyes. Like just really seeing that I have thought one way and I've even heard one way and tried to live one way, but what does the word really say? What the Lord showed her became a real refiner's fire. And she started to realize what it would cost her to follow God's path. I remember asking the Lord, please Lord, I I believe you've called me to this. I don't want to forsake this ministry. And if you really want me to do it, I'm asking for joy. I'm not asking for happiness. I'm not asking for something wonderful to happen, but I'm asking for that deep abiding joy. This is the fourth episode in our mini series, Refined as Silver. We're glad you're here. Stay with us. I've known Susan for over 10 years. She and her husband, Sean, were on staff here at Pure Life from 2008 to 2015, and they're really dear friends. Susan is a certified biblical counselor, and she counsels women through the Pure Life Ministries Wives Program. And a couple of months ago, when we were planning for this series, Patrick and I spent almost an hour on the phone with Susan, and it was such a delight. The way that she talked about submission was so beautiful. She was really transparent about things. And I hope you preface all this with like Susan says, she has not arrived. (laughs) She has not. Yeah, it was hard for her to embrace submission early on. And as you heard, she's still working on it. Um, But I also just loved hearing the peace in her voice as she described what it's like now to be in a godly relationship. I think you're going to be really blessed by Susan. So let's get into it. Sean and I met in college in the mountains of North Carolina. Um, We were both, man, probably about 20 years old. Very quickly, we became friends and then moved into dating. During our dating, I would say the Lord was never really in the center. As you can imagine, 20-year-olds, we had grown up in the church, but we were not living for the Lord. I really wanted both things. I wanted an image of a good girl, of someone who was doing the right biblical things, but then I wanted to be able to party or do whatever I wanted to do. Then Sean was kind of in the same boat. Our dating relationship was not pure. We definitely wanted everything that college had to offer. About our senior year, I remember feeling like, okay, I've got to grow up and be an adult soon. (laughs) And he just wasn't on the same page with that. And I remember breaking up for a little while. I think that was a mercy of the Lord to me to see, wait, this is not what I've called you to do. But 
I didn't really heed that warning at all. We only were broken up for a couple months and we came back together and then we dated for another year after college and got married. And then we had, again, an American dream kind of marriage where we were both going after our careers and both really pursuing the things of the, of the world, which kind of leads up to the day I found out about his sin. We had had our first child, she was about one year old, and for a while I knew something was not really matching up in Sean's life. And the day I actually found out, this was back in the day when you got a cell phone bill record and it was printed. <laughs> so I had it in the car and I had not looked at it. And all of a sudden I just saw it over there in the side pocket and I thought, well, what is this? And I looked at it and I saw a repeated number over and over and I called that number and that was a woman that he worked with. And I didn't say anything, I just hung up. But based on the frequencies of the call and also who it was, I kind of put two and two together and drove to his office and confronted him. Um, he came home right away. We had some friends come over to kind of help with the process. And um, in the subsequent hours, he admitted yes to the adultery with the coworker. It wasn't until the following day that he started really just confessing everything. Pornography addiction since he was 12 years old, continual pornography use throughout our marriage, being sexually active before we were dating, he confessed numerous lies. So that actually went on for about two weeks, uh, two weeks of just like unloading, well, here's another thing, here's another thing. So we reached out to our pastor at that time. Um, he really didn't know us. He came over and I remember him looking Sean in the eye and saying, yeah, I know you have a problem, but I'm not really sure what we can do about it. And he literally walked out our door. And that was a uh, pretty devastating, but my mom had been in a Bible study with a woman whose brother had been at Pure Life Ministries and the Lord had really just changed his heart, done a miracle. And this lady had shared that at a Bible study with my mom. And when we went and told them, you know, what we were going through, my mom said, Sean, if you want a place, I know of one. And I remember looking on the website, you know, here I am with a one-year-old baby girl and just looking and seeing, oh, six to nine months commitment. Like, what? What is that going to look like? But just knowing at the same time that, you know, there's just, a, there was a peace that came knowing he's got to do this. If he doesn't do this, our marriage is gonna fall apart. And for him, he has articulated it as a place where he knew he could go and just ask the Lord, if you're real, show up. When he went to Pure Life, as a wife, I just began to unravel. I began to just, at first, yes, yeah, say, God, I did everything right. But then I also found myself really seeing things about me that were just terrible and ugly and things I'd never considered before. I remember being on the back porch and praying like, Lord, I just want a happy life. And so during my time with counseling at Pure Life, it was like three months since he had been in the program that I said, okay, I'm ready for counseling. And at that time, I know, you know, I get this book, The Walk of Repentance. And I, I think, well, what do I have to repent of? This is his deal. But then I start going through it and I see things that I've never seen before in scripture. I see my self-righteousness, I see my pride, I see that the cross was everything, that Jesus is high and lifted up, that it's not all about 
me. It's not about my happiness. It's not about serving myself or getting what I need in this life. I started seeing eternity and I never really considered that. So automatically it was like, boom, the Lord was saying, you have got issues. And although you think this is all about your husband, I'm going to do something for you. And it was a time of intimacy with the Lord I've never had. And he drew near to me, the brokenhearted. And it was amazing for Sean. You know, he would write letters and he would at first, they would be very shallow, very kind of like regurgitating what he had heard at Pure Life. But pretty soon, like two or three months after, I feel like the Lord really broke through and the Lord revealed the sin to him in his heart that it was against God. It was against a holy God. And that made the biggest difference. He wasn't just keeping an image up or doing what he was supposed to do. Like he wanted, it was like everything was on the table. God, either you're going to be real and I'm going to have a real vibrant relationship with you or I'm going to walk away and I'm praise God. The Lord had mercy on him. The Lord radically changed him to be able to esteem others better than himself, to be a servant. When he came home, it was really strange. It was like, who is this dude? <laughs> he wants to serve me, he wants to do this. It was the mercy that God had shown him that he had given Sean. And now that Sean was supposed to give out to others and um, and just the willingness to want to be a leader. Like before, he could have cared less, you know, who took care of the finances, who took care of decisions. When he came home, there was something like, yeah, I don't really know how to do this whole husband thing, but I want to learn. It was a teachable spirit. He came home um, and we really just did life. We took it slow. <laughs> we would carpool to work together so we could have more time together. Some of those mornings I really hated because <laughs> it's right there in your face. But we, we really just simplified as much as we could. We had our daughter. We wanted to spend time with her. We wanted to implement some things that he had learned at Pure Life and I had learned. We tried to you know, continue to be in the walk of repentance, continue to be in Bible study, listen to sermons. We knew we had to get a good Bible teaching church. So we went after that. Um, and he sought accountability. And for me, that was huge. This wasn't like a little bump in the road. He was like, no, I want my life to be different. I'll be honest, as a wife, sometimes I was like, who is this person? Like now he's super spiritual. Can I just have like middle of the road? But the Lord had changed him radically. And you know what? That challenged me as a wife. Like, am I gonna change radically? And man, that's been, wow, 16 years ago. And just to see the Lord take us through so many seasons and so many ways of refining. Um, some of the things that we learned in Pure Life though have been foundational to just the walk with the Lord that we have today. Susan, thanks so much for coming in. Um, when you were a young wife and you heard someone talk about submitting to a husband, how did that affect you? When I was a young wife, I would say growing up in a Southern Baptist church, it was kind of like one of those words you hear, but what does it really mean? Uh -huh. <laughs> so for me, it was kind of a, something you put in the wedding vows because it was in there. Uh, it was traditional. It sounded good. It sounded, you know, full of humility, but I didn't really know what it was supposed to look like. I wasn't sure what it meant. 
Um, does it mean you, you know, submit in every way or what does submission mean? I really thought it was something that you say on your wedding day, but then you live your life another way, right? So hmm. you say that, but really you're pretty much wearing the pants, you know, for lack of better words, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> except for big decisions, you know, big whoppers. You let your husband make that decision. It wasn't something I was necessarily taught, but uh, I definitely think I picked it up along the way. And for me, um, submission wasn't really going to be a joy. You know, it's going to be more of a duty. It was going to be more of something that I did every once in a while. And also, I think from that point, that would have been 2001. Even now, it's more so. But our culture at that point, I saw a lot of extremes, like you would hear terrible stories of women being a doormat, you know, swinging right. to one end of the pendulum. And then swing into the other where they're, you know, totally run their husbands over. So I was like, yeah. well, maybe if I just find a little sweet spot in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but right. I didn't really consult the word or really other women, Christian women. It was just kind of ambiguous term. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So you weren't necessarily against it. It was just more of like, you can kind of take it or leave it. Yeah. Okay. So you counsel wives who are in situations that are really familiar to the one that you and Sean were in 15 or 16 years ago. So when you're counseling them and you bring up the idea that they're supposed to submit to their husbands, what kind of reactions are you commonly hearing? The reactions can be all over the board, but I will say a majority of women that I counsel, it's that very first week in the Walk of Repentance, and it talks about Hebrews you know, submitting to your authority because mm. they keep watch over you as one who must give an account and do it. So it's a joy, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're kind of cool with that. If it's like a pastor or a small group leader, they're not so cool with it being their husband, right? So usually the reaction is he doesn't deserve it. I'm not going to give it to him. You got to be kidding me. It is more of that seems very impossible. That seems way down the road. And usually, you know, we jump to Ephesians 5, right? And we talk about the design God has for the family. We talk about how we're supposed to submit to our husbands. It's actually a commandment out of reverence to the Lord. And, and even in, in Ephesians 5, 21, just submitting to one another, right? Sometimes mm. that's totally foreign, even to Christians that have been in church forever. Like, what do you mean I'm supposed to submit to one another? So then, you know, we take it a step further. Like, what does that look like now that your husband's in sexual sin and like this bomb has gone off in your marriage and this beautiful description in Ephesians 5 of how a family should run is totally like destroyed. There's just shrapnel everywhere. Yeah. And and usually it is the common reaction of, yeah, I see what it says, but I have no idea how that's going to happen again. And they're very scared. They're very scared to trust again. Sometimes they want their husband to step back into this role and, and they want to submit, but they don't really understand how that's going to happen. And then sometimes they really just put their foot down and say, I don't even think this will ever be possible again. I don't even know if I can trust him with the smallest household duty or whatever it may be, a decision within the marriage. Yeah, that definitely takes us right into one of the things that I wanted to talk about next, because, you know, it wasn't real easy for you 
to submit to Sean either. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that you've told me about a pretty difficult time in your life when God was dealing with you very specifically about that, you know, that God's call on your life is to be a godly wife and a mother, and that was just really hard for you. Can you talk about that time in your life and why it was so hard? Yeah, I really think that came to a head even after pure life, you know, <laughs> here I am. I'm supposed to have gone through one of the biggest trials of my life and the Lord had done great things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we moved to a different area. We had another child. It didn't make sense for me to go back to work with two kids. And here I was in this new role as a stay at home mom. And I, and you know, in my heart, I really wanted to do it. But at the same time, I had no clue how to do it. And I also didn't feel fulfilled in that role at all. Hmm. And I think something happens when you feel like every day is the same (laughs) and you're doing the same things. (laughs) Right. And so, and part of that came from a lack of joy. I really had no joy in ministering to my family at that time. I felt like it was something I I should do. You know, why am I feeling bad about this? I felt Mm -hmm. guilty that I didn't like it. Um, and, and I really went into deep depression, actually. And I just remember not really knowing how I was going to have joy. It really was years. And there were times where I could see a glimmer of like, oh, OK, this is amazing. This is an amazing opportunity to serve my husband, to serve my kids. But then I just remember there were other days when it was kind of like, what's the purpose of this? Hmm. And I asked, I remember asking the Lord, please, Lord, I I believe you called me to this. I don't want to forsake this ministry. And if you really want me to do it, I'm asking for joy. I'm not asking for happiness. Hmm. I'm not asking for, you know, something wonderful to happen. Um, as far as, you know, we win the lottery and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I can hire a nanny or a maid or whatever, (laughs) but I'm asking for that deep abiding joy. And he did that. I don't know when or where I think it was a gradual thing because as I submitted to his call in my life, he gave me that. And that's not for every woman to, you know, necessarily be a stay at home mom, but it was for me. Hmm. I, I grew up with that not being on my radar at all. I grew up with career aspirations. I grew up thinking I'm strong. Yeah, I'll have kids, but it wasn't my heart's desire to minister. And it certainly wasn't my desire to minister to my husband in that way. It was almost like I had an idea of like, he had his thing going on and I had my thing going on. And rarely did we like converge together, except maybe on the weekends, you know? Mm. So the Lord had to give me that joy. He had to just totally let me see who I was, that really what I wanted was rooted in pride. For me, Mm. it was. I wanted that recognition. I wanted those accolades. I didn't think it was enough. I didn't think it was enough to serve my husband and to serve my kids and to have joy doing it. I didn't think it was something I knew how to do. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was something that I wanted to choose, right? It wasn't a common goal for me. I didn't see wait, we're a unit. We're not just two separate people that produce children and we come together. (laughs) I know that (laughs) sounds weird. Like, why didn't I get it? But, you know, I think maybe some women just don't say it out loud. So I'm saying it out loud. (laughs) But the reality (laughs) was the Lord had to keep pulling back layers and showing Mm. me how to have joy, how to love. A lot of us dying to self. I'm I'm not kidding. Like being a mom, being a wife, is dying to self because you are basically serving without being seen and without the joy of the Lord that becomes drudgery 
and a real, you know, you, you feel like the Lord's a real taskmaster, like your husband is, like your kids are. Mm. And I'm not saying that doesn't come up. I've not arrived um, because it, it definitely is something that you have to fight the culture, what your mm-hmm. own flesh is saying, and you have to stay centered in the word, like what's going to be eternal. And that gave me joy too. seeing, wait, what am I doing right now is going to be eternal. It's going to have eternal weight one day, not just for my kids, but for Sean, that I can bless him, that we can have ministry together. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Obviously, I've never been through exactly what you're going through. I'm not a woman. I'll never be a mom (laughs) or a wife. But when I listen to you talk, I can hear that there was a really huge perspective shift that happened in you that took years. Like this was really huge for you. This wasn't just a small little thing that just kind of clicked one day. This was a battle that you fought over years Um, to the point where when we were talking a month ago, you said, outside of serving the Lord, serving my husband is my main ministry. And that just to me is so amazing to hear you say that. You talked a little bit about the eternal perspective. What else was it that was happening inside of you that transformed the way you see being a wife and a mom? Well, I remember being challenged by a counselor because I did seek counsel during that time. And he read 2 Corinthians 5, 9 to both my husband and I. And he said, um, it's so we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. And he looked us dead in the eye, especially me, because I was the one, <laughs> you know, having the deep problems. I'm the one that brought us counseling, right? My husband patiently went in and he was like, is this your goal? Is this your goal to please him? And I thought, no, you know, it hasn't been. It hasn't been my goal to please him. When I struggled, when I went in depression, when I thought my calling should be something else, I was really just chasing something that I probably would never attain. And that was approval from man. That was perfectionism. That was being somebody worth, you know, being recognized, the accolades. And for me, that came in. And also it was the word of God coming a lot. I think like we hear that our husband's our first ministry, but when we look in the word and we see what it says, how he really ordered the family, Hmm. that slapped me between the eyes. Like just really seeing that I have thought one way and I've even heard one way and tried to live one way. But what does the word really say? What does it really mean to be his helpmate? What does it mean to be just really believing the word? I mean, certainly that was a big component of coming out of depression, because to me, the word of God was my medicine. The word of God was what realigned my thinking, not just about, you know, not being depressed, but about submission, because really the depression was a symptom of what I was really saying in my heart, which was, I don't want what you have for me, God. It's not enough. Mm-hmm. Man, that is just, this is all just so good. I do want to set the context for this interview because it's exactly what you said earlier, which is there's this huge gamut of how we hear people talk about submission. Mm-hmm. One is this woman that's like, locked outside in a shed and and her husband saying, you know, you just need to submit to me. And yeah. it's like, we are not advocating for anything. We're just yeah. talking about a fairly normal marriage, you know, where man's a sinner, the wife is a sinner, and learning how to live in the godly roles that God has planned out for us. 
And uh, you said that one of the objections that you hear oftentimes is, he doesn't deserve for me to submit to him. So, (laughs) you know, when you're talking to a wife and she says that to you, what do you say? I remember thinking that my husband doesn't deserve this, that it's going to take a long time. And, you know, some of that is true. Like when we go through a huge crisis like sexual sin, like there is a healing process. That man does not automatically get trust and submission Mm -hmm. and just that respect even. It's a process, but that woman has to be willing for the Lord to do that in her heart. Mm. And when I counsel and someone says, you know, he doesn't deserve it, I say, yeah, that's true. (laughs) That is absolutely true. But neither do you, and neither do I. Mm. And according to the cross, we're all in need of the Lord's forgiveness Mm. and mercy, and we all deserve wrath. And I know that's one thing through Pure Life he opened my eyes to. I didn't really understand I deserve wrath. I just thought it was something that I got. I got because I'm just a good Christian girl in America. But when we go through counseling and someone says, you know, he doesn't deserve it, it's a challenging session because you're having to say, wait a minute, what does the word say about the gospel? What does the word say about what Jesus did for you? And he doesn't deserve it, but it is an act of obedience. And that's where I usually lead to, okay, he doesn't deserve it. Neither do you. We got that all squared away. Okay. Next step. It is an act of obedience. The word says in Ephesians five, wives submit to your husbands. It's a picture of Christ and the church. Like it's like the poster child for the way it's supposed to look. Right. So do you want to get there? And do you really want him to do it? Do you want the Lord to do it? Or do you want to just like halfway do it? Like, do you want Ephesians five to come alive in you? And if you do, it's small acts of obedience. Again, it doesn't happen right away. I'm not saying turn everything over. It's a small yielding of the will. And I do believe that when we yield our will, then our feelings will come. Well, usually our thoughts come, right? And then our feelings at last. And for me, that's my testimony. It was more of like, okay, I see I'm supposed to do this. And I'll choose to do it, Lord, but I I don't like it (laughs) and I don't feel like it. (laughs) But pretty soon those thoughts change to like, okay, what does the word say again? Okay, now. And then the next step was like, okay, I I like submitting to him or like I see how it brings beauty, but all that stuff doesn't happen at first. So you have to be very patient with women. They're coming out of that. Mm. You can't just uh, beat them over the head. It really is a process, but I'm so thankful because I can encourage them and say, hey, you know that the Lord knows you better than you know yourself. So do you believe he can show you how to do this in a way that's exactly fitted to you? And usually they'll say, yeah, but I don't know how. Mm. And I'll say, well, that's that's an act of faith. You're doing it. You know, when you want to just say yes, say yes and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. One of the things, too, I think that is probably a challenge is that I know for myself, when I was in sexual sin, it just drains me mm-hmm. of all the strength and the initiative and the desire. Um, so I know that if I had been in a marriage, there's no way I would have led the relationship because I was just all thinking about myself. And so it's like, 
this man is so bound up in his own pursuits and desires that there's no leadership in the home. So the wife, oftentimes, it seems like, just takes it. You know, Mm -hmm. well, I'll do it. If no one's going to do it, I'll do it. So then, you know, the guy really repents and he says, wow, this is my role. I need to lead. And the wife, I would think it's just kind of difficult to let that happen. What was that like for you to allow Sean to start leading in the home after he repented? Yeah, for me, it was a release of, of, of fear, a gradual release, you know, and I, it was it was really when I'd see those ugly emotions come to the surface, like fear, like control, um, mm-hmm. it was a check engine light for me to go, wait, what's going on? And usually it went back to like, I don't trust my husband. And what was that saying? I don't trust God, because if I really felt like he had changed and he repented and the Lord wanted me to stay in the marriage I was really putting my trust in God. So for me, I think it was a refining, you know, it was a refining, like the Lord saying, okay, your husband's been in sexual sin. He hasn't wanted to lead, but he's back and he wants to lead. Are you willing to let him? And it was that refinement of, yeah, I do now, but maybe not the situation. It was the (laughs) gradual giving little by little. It was very scary. I remember just not having respect for him for a long mm. time. Like, uh, I, you know, I was still attracted to him. I still, you know, I forgave him at that point, but I didn't respect him. And respect and submission go hand in hand. And so many times it was an act of faith, like I said before, where I knew I needed to obey and I needed to submit. And I did it as an act of my will with the Lord's help. And then that respect would grow when he did well with it. And then, you know, sometimes he would fail to be honest with you. Mm. And the Lord used that for me. I like to be, I'm a, I'm a control person. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up just like, I want control. I want to know what it's going to look like. And yes, I would say before we went through our trial sexual sin, I was pretty much the leader of our family. And, you know, looking back, I probably didn't really realize how much I was then, but now looking at it from another view, I can really see I was totally taking control and and probably Sean in the middle of his sin, he couldn't have handled it. But when he came back and and was totally a changed man, I I began to see he wants to, right? Mm -hmm. And, but he doesn't know how, I mean, he grew up in a Christian home, but he doesn't really, how many men, like, is that just natural to them? I don't, I don't know (laughs) many, like usually if it's natural to them, it's really a control issue. (laughs) I mean, they're really just liking (laughs) the control. I feel like sometimes it is a God-given ability, but also it has to be nurtured. It has to Mm. be, you have to be teachable. And that was part of what helped me with the submission process was allowing him to lead our home because I saw a very teachable spirit, not from me, but from the Lord Mm. and also other godly men. Like he would go to godly men and he would say, you know, how do I do this? He would ask questions about being a good dad. He would ask questions about, what do I do in this situation at church? He would ask questions about how do I behave in the business world? And when I saw that fruit, and I think that's a huge fruit being teachable and Mm. and meek, I began to see, okay, I can trust him with more and more. And then there were times when the Lord just shut my mouth. He was like, don't say anything. And, you know, I can remember like a silly incidents where Sean picked a table 
that I knew was not going to fit our family. Like I knew it. And I was like, dude, and there's no way a car seat's going in there and three kids. I remember the Lord just saying, shut your mouth, just shut your mouth. And we went and sat down and like three kids, you know, and one of them was hanging off the table and the baby was falling out. (laughs) He looks at me and he goes, this is not going to fit, is it? And I'm like, no. But he looked at me like, and you didn't say anything. That was so like encouraging because we as wives can constantly be even taking over where we're going to sit in a restaurant. Like, does it really matter? Um, (laughs) Right. And just being able to see him fail, but knowing that I wasn't the one that was called to correct him. It was the Lord. Hmm. And see what happens is then he starts to worship the Lord more. He doesn't worship me. And that's really what a wife wants most of the time when her husband comes home. Like, please just have a relationship with the Lord, please. Mm. But see what we do, we kind of unravel that because we circumvent it and say, yeah, but really please me first. Mm. And for me, the Lord began to show me that, like, I want him to rely upon me, not you. You're his helpmate and that's good. But the majority of correction and leading, I've got it. You need Mm -hmm. to just do your part. I, I want to refer to something again that you said in our conversation a month ago. You said that in our culture, we're emasculating our husbands and fathers. Um, what did you mean by that? And then how is that connecting to this issue of submission? Yeah, that was a that was a statement that is not popular, I'm sure. But if we really take an honest look, we do emasculate males in our culture for the most part. You can see it, whether it be like in the family unit, how the children do not respect their father Mm. or the wife doesn't show preference to her husband. She's constantly doing something else, whether it be with her time or affection or energy. I think it's in our culture, like just watch the latest sitcom, right? They're always making fun of the dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, and that's, you know, there's humor in that, but it gets carried to you know, the dad's basically the the joke of everything. Yeah, he's like and an I idiot. think that yeah. And I think for fathers, um, you know, even in that parenting role, we as a culture have made jokes about, well, it's really your mom that makes the decisions, or your mom's really the one that's the disciplinarian, or also I'll just say this in marriage, we as wives sometimes want our husbands to act like girls. I mean, that sounds crazy, but like we want them to react to what we say, like one of our girlfriends would. Well, they're they're not going to do that, right? (laughs) Right. They have to learn to listen. I'm not excusing that. I'm not saying that they don't listen. They don't empathize, but they're not our girlfriends. We didn't marry ourselves and praise God. I know. Mm. Thank you, Lord. I didn't marry myself. Like he's a man. He has testosterone. He has a totally different way of thinking. And I think we've emasculated men in that way. We want them to be a carbon copy of us as women sometimes. And I know the Lord's pointed that out to me. Like if my husband gets, you know, angry or, you know, he's frustrated or he says something to the kids, I'm super quick to jump on that and like want to make everything fine. And, Mm. you know, I want him to respond like I would respond to them. And then I, I begin to see, wait a minute, like, He's different than me. And that's a good thing. My kids need to see that he is masculine and he is a different type of discipline or a different type of talking. Like it's beautiful, right? But Mm. when we take it away, we just really, we want control. I know for me, I just, you know, I don't want them to be 
had their feelings hurt, you know, but he's not doing that. Right. It's just that he's, he's different. He's different than me. And different is not bad. Different is good. And for me, submission is really celebrating that to see, okay, the word says we were creating this image and we are equal, but we are also different. You know, we complement each other. And I need to celebrate those differences. I need to let him be a man. I need to let him have emotions like a man. I need to let him just do the manly things he wants to do. And, not, and again, I'm not saying sinful things. I'm not advocating that he gets angry. I'm not speaking yeah, yeah. to those things. I'm saying like a godly, biblical man, those behaviors, even even those ways of communicating. Hmm. And there's beauty in that. Like we need to teach our boys that I have two boys. I want them to be manly. I really do. You know, I don't want them to be like me. I want them to be godly men, strong men, not only physically, but spiritually. Hmm. And they need to see that in the submission relationship I have with Sean, that we celebrate that. He celebrates how I'm different. I celebrate how he's different. And we teach them how to be men that love their wives, that love the Lord, that want to protect their wives, that want to be the head of the household. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know... as a as a man i've I've often thought about this too, that what we don't sometimes hear as much is that in this relationship where the wife is supposed to submit to the husband and the husband is supposed to love the wife, it's not like the man is not called to submit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like where did right. we ever get this idea that that means that the man can be this domineering authoritarian? He's supposed to lay his life down. Right. for the wife and submit to the Lord. Yeah. So it's not like the husband gets this really easy walk in the Christian life. He also has to die to himself daily. Yeah, right. And to me, that's the only way a woman can submit when she sees her husband submitting to the Lord. That's the key that unlocks all this beautiful submission is because we're submitted to the Lord individually and to other believers. But then as I submit to him, I am mirroring how he's submitting to the Lord. And mm. where's where's the safest place to be under somebody that is submitting to the Lord? And, and you know, I, I think I shared this before. It's like a somebody told me once, it's like an umbrella. It's a huge umbrella. You know, you go to like a water park or whatever. You've got these huge umbrellas so people don't get sunburned. <laughs> and that's the umbrella of submission. But there's an umbrella above that that's from the Lord. And the Lord is protecting the husband. And then the husband has put up that umbrella over the wife Mm. and the family. And when I come out from under that umbrella, I'm actually in danger. Mm. And submission is all about servant leadership. Because you think about the Lord, if he's the model of everything, he's the one that laid down his life for me. Yeah, He served in the most concrete, deep, just gut-wrenching way possible by giving his life. Mm. And if that's an example of submission, then the husband is doing the same thing. And, you know, that's another thing that allows a wife to really submit is when they see my husband doesn't want me just to like be the yes woman. He wants to serve me. Yeah. And when I come under that, I can trust the Lord and I can trust my husband and I can give to him, you know, this, it's not control. It's, it's a protection. Mm. You know, I looked up submission one time and, and, and there's different definitions, but a, a coming under, Uh, coming under to lift up. 
or the umbrella. There's a lot of analogies, but um, <laughs> I like those two because I can see that it goes against the enemy has taken that word and twisted it. Yeah. And, you know, frankly, we have to right? there's been instances where even in the Christian world where we do have that domineering, you must submit, you must submit. And then the man's not being godly at all. Yeah. And then you go on the, the whole side of women saying, I will never submit. This mm-hmm. is ludicrous. And we've screwed it up. It's really actually a beautiful thing. Yeah. And one of the things that you have kind of alluded to um, before is that God's not asking you to like completely abandon your personality um, as if submission is just, I have no thoughts of my own. I have no desires of my own. I am a robot that serves my husband because you're not like that. You're a strong woman. You, in your old life, you know, you were very independent and you had a lot of thoughts and desires and ambitions. And so you said that you're having to learn to submit, you know, with your own personality. Like, what does it look like for me as Susan Smith to be a submissive woman? Can you explain a little bit of what it's like for a strong, independent woman to become or to be submissive? Yeah, it's a struggle because I think that we have to first submit uh, our our personality to the Lord and, and kind of like come to terms with it. Like, Lord, you made me this way. So there must be a reason behind it. But I also know my flesh is there, right? The word mm-hmm. says we're always at war. I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I do want to do. And I, I know for me, kind of coming to the terms of like, Lord, you made me this way and I can celebrate this. But I also know that I need more meekness. I need more peace. Hmm. I need more self-control. I need these things so I can hide behind my personality and what I grew up as. And I'm strong. I'm independent. This is just the way I am. I'm driven. What's wrong with that? And, you know, if you're in line with the Lord and you're not using them as idols and you've sought the Lord, there's nothing wrong with the career. And again, I'm just telling you where I came from. But I had to come to terms with God can use those aspects about me that I'm naturally an extrovert. I'm naturally, um, I am task oriented. I really am. I shouldn't be, but I am. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I am naturally driven. I like people. I like being around people. I'm not a quiet, meek person that might be like the poster child for a submissive wife. I'm, I'm just not. Mm-hmm. But I begin to see I can submit to my husband and I can compliment him. And I mean, I can use those strengths and compliment him in this whole submission process. And I can learn meekness and going under and controlling my tongue. But it really came down to like Philippians 2. Am I willing to consider his interests more than mine? Am I willing to lay my life down like Jesus did? to be selfless? Am I willing to, you know, let my opinion go? If my husband disagrees, am I willing to walk away from it? That's a huge thing in our marriage. Like I know the Holy Spirit speaks to me when I'm crossing that line, when I've shared my opinion. And yet I think I should share it four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. (laughs) He's like, okay, I know you're persistent. I know you're outgoing, but you need to stop because now you're crossing over to Mm. sin. You're 
not coming under his authority. And I've, I've been checked on that numerous times, and I'm sure I will be in the future. But also it's an act of being quick to repent, being teachable, being willing to say, how can I serve you? How can I help? And, you know, for our personalities, again, we can hide behind them, but it's the willingness to even submit that like, Lord, you made me this way. And some of these characteristics are a gift from you, but some of them are my flesh. And I just, I ask you to refine me and get rid of them and keep what you want and then put in meekness, put in humility. So I'm not a person that just became submissive and then became quiet as a mouse. I didn't. (laughs) And I probably won't ever be, but I found that God has used things about my personality that help complement Sean, if that makes sense. Yeah, help, absolutely. Help be a, like a team, right? What he doesn't have, I bring. What I don't have, he brings. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're really bringing something out, which has been very helpful to me, which is that when we think about submission or we think about meekness or we think about really any kind of quality or characteristic, it's not so much a personality type as it is the personality under the control of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. So you can have a very quiet person who's in total rebellion, but it's all happening internally. You know, they're just not voicing their opinion. Mm -hmm. But you can have somebody who's very assertive and confident and outgoing, who is very submitted to the Lord. And that's really what he's looking for is is your personality under the control of the Holy Spirit. What does it look like when you and Sean are really meshing together and you're both working in those God-given roles? Like, is there an example where you could say, man, that's what I want it to be like every time? Yes. I was thinking about a couple of situations. Number one, we we counsel couples together through our church sometimes. And we have recently counseled a couple that was pretty difficult to discern what's going on. And the way the Lord had us work together was amazing. It wasn't like, okay, you're counselors and you're doing a good job together. It was literally like a picture of Ephesians 5 unfolding within a counseling situation where He would hear things from the Lord. I would hear things from the Lord. But ultimately, he was leading the counseling. But it was like the Lord would just put something on my heart and then put something on his heart. And it was, we wanted to serve this couple together. So we both had that serving. But we also were able to just work in a way that, you know, even there were a couple of times where he disagreed with something I said, or I disagreed with something he said, but we were able to work through it. And there was just such beauty in that, that I never thought was possible. I'm serious. I never mm. thought we'd be able to to minister in such a difficult situation, but it was because the Lord was there. And it was because we were trying to esteem one another better than ourselves. Mm. And we really wanted to serve these people. And, you know, for me, there were times the Lord checked me. He was like, he needs, he needs to lead this. But, you know, what else was cool was that I was so drawn to Sean's drive to want to lead this, to want to challenge this man in counseling Mm. to even lead his family. Another example I think of is with our kids. We have three kids. They love to challenge us, (laughs) little cherubs that they are. Um, But there are many times that Sean and I both look at each other and we're like, 
kids, you know, we're one flesh. You can't come against us. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but in parenting, I think submission is huge because the kids see how I esteem their dad mm. and they see how he esteems me and how he protects me. Mm. He protects me even from them. Um, in a, in a godly way, you know, mm -hmm. he's like, you need to treat your mother with this. And I, I do the same for him. I point out what their dad does, how he works hard, how he loves them, how he wants to spend time with them. And they see that. And it is a beautiful thing. Like the older they get and the more unified we get in our parenting, the more beautiful it is. And it is one of those situations that I just look and I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I'm like, Lord, this is what you had in mind for a family because there is harmony and unity. That doesn't mean it's always that way, mm -hmm. but there's a plumb line that we know we need to get back to. And trust me, we get off whack, <laughs> but there's that <laughs> plumb line of like, okay, what's out of whack here. Okay. And, and it's usually like, I'll be like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not really respecting you. I've said this in front of the kids about you. And I have to come back and see that about myself and repent to God and then repent to Sean. And then lastly, I can think about, we just got done with a big remodeling project at mm -hmm. our house, which brought the devil out in both of us. <laughs> 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 but I will, I will say that there were many times that when we began to see what the Lord wanted to deal with, it was beautiful to see my husband come under what the Lord had for us, even in housing projects and lead our family well and take the leadership role. And I was his true helpmate, you know, whether it's handing a tool to him or giving my opinion and then letting him have the final say. I mean, we even had to do that with the house, with buying the house. I realized I can think what I want to think. And ultimately, I need to share that. But at some point, I need to lay that before the Lord and let my husband, um, you know, he's going to. He's going to give his opinion. He's going to explain it. But ultimately, I can't just sit there and nag, nag, nag for what I want. And the Lord used that. And that wasn't a pretty situation, but I can look back and see. He was showing us what it means to really live fully submitted to Him and to one another. Thanks for joining us again this week. Again, this is the fourth episode in our mini-series, Refined as Silver. So if you missed any of the first three shows, please go back and listen to those as well. Next week, we're going to finish the series by talking with Rose Cologne about forgiveness. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.